I admit it. I love the Babylon Bee now. It's the place that I'm getting all my news from. Is that going to influence the podcast too much in the wrong direction or the right direction? There was a fact checker that pointed out a Babylon Bee headline and it said something like, this is from a satirical website called the Babylon Bee, although the headline does sound... uh, like it could be true or something like that. It was, <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs> like, well, here, let me just, I'm just going to drop a few headlines on you before we get started. Well, to get us started. How about that? All right. Okay. Yeah. Um, where do I start here? Here's one of the headlines. Nine ways to make your company gayer so the human rights campaign won't destroy you. Um, think on that for a minute. Texas court rules marriage invalid if Cotton Eye Joe not played at wedding reception. You know that one? Where did you come from? Where did you go? Yeah, it's played at all the BYU games, right? It's a pretty terrible song. <laughs> it's pretty catchy. Um, the climate activists' private planes froze themselves to the runway in a powerful protest. Did you see that? How there, there was like a climate conference and all the planes got frozen? That's funny. Okay, last three. Another one uh, along the lines of climate activism. This is great. Two climate change activists dead after gluing themselves to Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> <laughs> remember Indiana Jones, Ark of the Covenant? Oh, yeah. It's awesome. Do you remember? Close your eyes. In our in our area, there was a reenactment of the Temple of Solomon, and they did they they had built all the. I think this was happening in Utah County. Mm-hmm. They had built like different implements from the the that were purported to be from the original Temple of Solomon mm-hmm. replicas, right? Mm-hmm. And they had a replica Ark of the Covenant that looked just like the Indiana Jones one. Right. Remember that? Right. How accurate is that? Do you know anything about that? You're, you're a movie uh, guy. The movies are correct, right? I'm sure it's, it's exactly accurate. I think it was actually the Ark of the Covenant. They borrowed it. For they borrowed the, it from the yeah. uh, Lucasfilms or yeah, whoever? Those aren't, those aren't Oh, no, special. that was the real one. Those aren't special effects in did the they movie. Get it, did they get it out of the army warehouse? Those people actually got melted. That Nazi guy actually got melted. Their faces that. melted off. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a special effects. Do you know that movie still holds up? Like, that movie's I'm just great. saying, it hold, that's awesome. The, first, the, the trilogy is really good. The first three Indiana oh, Jones yeah. movies. They hold up. They're great adventure yeah. films. It was back when George Lucas cared about good storytelling. Oh, they're... They're George awesome. Lucas wrote those, and Steven Spielberg, I believe, directed them. I might be wrong there, but well, anyway, yeah, we've seen that arc. Um, nobody touched it though, so maybe that's why nobody died at the stake center. Uh, second to last, Babylon B headline: Newsom 
DeSantis debate to be sponsored by U-Haul. <laughs> and this is related to a KSL, uh, the local communist rag article that is titled, this is, I think, the headline on uh, KSL today. The secret is out. Is, Utah, is the California exodus changing Utah's political landscape? They're making an excuse for, uh, this is, I think this is predictive programming. They're trying to say that Utah is getting more liberal and here's why. Like they're trying to make yeah. excuses for it. I think this goes all the way to Lieutenant Governor's office that's fixing the elections. Because I don't right. think Utah, if anything, Utah's got to be getting more conservative. Right. And for them to say that we're getting more liberal is... Our, our quote unquote elected officials are all becoming more liberal. Right. And it makes you wonder who's voting for these guys. It says, are California voters turning Utah blue? Utahns often fear migration will make Utah more like California in everything from voting for Democrats to massive traffic congestion and unaffordable housing. Those all sound like great things. KSL has previously reported migration to Utah from blue states can contribute to swinging elections, but Utah is also experiencing broader demographic changes that affect its politics. Youngest state in the U.S., fastest growing technology hub in the country, safe conservative state Entirely represented on the national level by Republicans, but has a unique brand of conservatism. It was one, among the slowest to support former Donald President Trump and former President Donald Trump, former Donald President Trump. Um, and that's in that's, 2016. That's this is a, like bullcrap. That's a ridiculous way to put it. One of the slowest. Well, that's because we don't have an early primary. And is represented in part by the only Republican senator to vote to impeach Trump twice. See... This is this is Mitt Romney, yeah, the carpetbagger, and he's not running, and he's not running again because right. the because the word is out, but, the, uh, the the jig is up, as they say. Go look at the 2016 presidential results. Trump got like 68 or 78 percent of the vote here. Like the people here, that's just sneak. That's just slimy language. There. This is this is KSL trying to tell you what to think. Right. This is amazing. I'm not even going to link to this story, but. I guess I will link to it just for posterity's sake, but this is this is not good. This is that this is the news. The I've watched KSL change. I'm surprised it's not a hardcore porn website <laughs> already. Like Marge Simpson said about Fox News, you right, know, right. twenty years ago. Like Fox News changed to a hardcore porn channel so slowly that no one noticed. <laughs> KSL has gone anti-gun. Anti-reality, anti-common sense. Oh, yeah, in the last ten years, they're a propaganda outlet. And the desert I'm news is right. The desert news is exactly. right on their heels. Okay, I'm going to share a Babylon B. Oh, here's headline. Here, okay, here's another. Here's another one though. Okay, I got to finish the five things. Right, you'll love this one. In both 2016 and 2022, Utah grabbed national attention for its willingness to support third-party candidate Evan McMullen for both president and... <laughs> this is bullcrap. Nobody supported Nobody him. supported him. He, he, he lost to Mike Lee, public enemy number one to people that like KSL. Big time. He lost to Mike Lee like 60 to 30 or something, 65, 35. 60 to nine. And he didn't do anything in the presidential thing. He right. was... Off Mike Lee didn't do anything. By the way... I think uh, Evan McMullen is a, he has a, a background at the CIA. Yeah. And once you're a spook, you're always a spook. And I think he was a plant. He was, he came out of nowhere. There's no, or there's nothing organic about either of his, his campaigns. He's a fed on a, on a secret mission. Yeah. 
to go and spoil the election. The whole point was to try to split the the vote here in Utah and and hand those delegates to Hillary. Anybody, anybody other than Trump, right? And it failed miserably, and he failed because or to Biden. His he's just so inauthentic. And uh, well, their their last bullet point here is that. Yes, Utah is also one of many red states experiencing a population bump from blue states. But you heard there was a debate between Trump and DeSantis, right? No, uh, DeSantis. Or De- DeSantis Trump, uh, and Gavin Newsom and DeSantis. Newsom, right? Yeah, yeah. I heard about it. I saw a couple clips, but didn't pay too much And attention. pretty much all the reporting was that DeSantis thoroughly trounced Newsom. Mm-hmm. And um, everyone was talking about fact-checking gavin newsom because he just was making crap up like right. like even the even the liberal media was having a hard time backing up his right. just crazy made-up claims and uh the greatest um political cartoon that i saw hope maybe i can find this showed two airplanes one that was rapidly deteriorating crashing falling out of the sky and it said california on it and newsom mm-hmm. and then you had another one above it with biden in the United States that was rapidly deteriorating and falling out of the sky. And then there was a thought, uh, a word bubble coming out of it. Like, Oh, we're going to turn the reins over to Newsom because he's doing so much better. Right. You know, there was one moment in the debate that Newsom says something. He thinks he's getting zingers on DeSantis, on DeSantis and Sa- DeSantis goes, yeah, well, and he holds up, he holds up a map. And you can even see it just covered. Whatever this is, is just there's just dots. Shows all the people moving from California. No, he holds up the map and goes, "Yeah, you used to be the governor of San Francisco. Here's a map of San Francisco, and with all the places people have found human feces marked on it, and the thing's just covered." <laughs> and everyone's like, "He literally just pulled out a poop map." <laughs> and 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 the Newsom's just like looking at him, like, "Are you for real?" But it was a really funny way of pointing out like your your city is is literally deteriorating before our eyes anyway here's one more okay babylon b headline child grooming that was the one i was going to end with okay Okay, you read it it and i'll okay you you can pick it up because all right because there's more to this one this this is child grooming content on x reduced by 83 percent after disney pulls ads and that's of course referring to the famous go bleep yourself comment from elon musk which i thought was pretty awesome (laughs) but this is uh, the babylon b posted out on twitter and now there's a a a comment right a a community note it says readers added context as shown (laughs) in the image this is a satirical article made by the babylon b the article is believable in a way that warrants a community note as many in the comments seem to think it's true Oh, because it probably might. Maybe it is. <laughs> oh, geez, we laugh, but grooming is a serious problem in this world and in this country. Well, abuse is a serious problem. Uh, the The other headline that is noteworthy on the local uh, communist rag. I guess it is good that it's. It, it, it used to be CSL, right? Now it's KSL because the communists use K's and everything, right? Um, <laughs> There's a response. The KSL is is reporting on allegations and a settlement made in a church 
sex abuse case in Idaho, but they never reported, if I'm, if I understand this right, they never reported the actual news. They reported the church's response to it, right? The cover-up part of it. And that's their, that's the article that they've got up is their well, yeah, response K- to K- the sex abuse. KSL is helping with damage control. Right. As they often do. Right. Because let's remember that we have to remind ourselves that KSL is, is wholly owned by the, by the church, along with the Desert News. In fact, I think I mentioned last week I was up, I went to the Church History Museum, mm-hmm. and you park in a parking lot there, and right next to that parking lot are three large buildings that are all connected. One of them is Desert News. One of them is KSL. The other one is uh, Beneficial Life. And then there's another one kind of adjacent that is Ensign College, uh, which used to be known as LDS Business College. Oh, okay. So you have that whole conglomerate of, of uh, companies right How there. How much of downtown does the church not own? Because they own City Creek. Well, they, I don't know if they own it, but they certainly have nothing to do with the homeless shelter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, we drove <laughs> on that same trip. We drove by uh, a homeless shelter, and my daughter said, "Why? No, that's a church." I said, "No, I think that's a homeless shelter." She said, "Why is there a cross on it?" I said, "Well, a lot of local churches or a lot of churches will run homeless shelters, and so that one." And I didn't see. I was driving, but I didn't see. But I said, "That one's probably run by a church," and in my mind, I thought, "But not ours." I don't. That's a good question. I think uh, the church owns pretty much all of downtown. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's some buildings that other other people own, but the land that those buildings sit on might be owned by the church. I mean, they have enough influence that they were able to block off Main Street between the church office building and the temple. Which, you know, if we were to vote on it, it's kind of like, yeah, why not? It's a beautiful place. This beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, reflecting pond between the temple and this massive skyscraper. But uh, I think a lot of people look at that and go, hey, that's, you know. Well, the church office building. Maybe they got a little too much control over public roads. And the church office building isn't a real attractive building. It's pretty generic and kind of has a, it reflects like that generic practicality of both the church and the 19. 60s or 70s when it was built right the the temple is such an important landmark i mean i can see why there's a community interest in that but they've they've tried to exert um cultural control over what goes on in the they call it the plaza the main street plaza i don't know what they call it but they don't want they don't want protesters over there right so they were able to well they were getting protesters over there so they just they were able to kind of but, clamp down on that but but uh, yeah yeah well the church founded the, the city i, I mean guess there, they can control it there's been some ugly <laughs> as pro- much as they think they there do. are some ugly protests too but i mean it is it was a public thoroughfare that's the right that's the part where you go okay so read read the ksl headline that you're referring to well i was um I was hoping to, because I'm going to post two KSL articles. I'm going to break with tradition, post wow. two K- KSL wow. articles on the so much traffic Mind Virus site. Yeah. Uh, church response to AP story detailing 2015 Idaho abuse case. And, and I'd like you, because you played for me before we started. I, I'm not paying any attention to this. For some reason, this is on Mr. Bobby Flood's mind. By the way, my name's well, Jordan it, Bruno. It wasn't on my mind. I just This is Bobby Flood. 
That's we are the true. Mind Virus Show. You can find us on the web at mindvirus.show, the Mind Virus Podcast. You can comment on our website if you want. We will usually ignore those comments, but maybe today we'll make a circle back and talk about some comments. It's December 4th, 2023. Year of our Lord. A.D. We're uh, coming up on uh, a big day for us. Yeah, it's going to be our three-year anniversary here. Yeah. Next three, week. Three years of this. <laughs> You're gonna have to send me a link to this uh, this thing you were playing for me because it was it was interesting. There was uh, usually none. Of this stuff doesn't come out, but somebody recorded an interaction between the the young lady affected in this case and and, and a church attorney who. Um, are you gonna play it? I mean, uh, we can. Or I, we, we can. We'll link we can to it, send people to I'll it. Just, I'll just I'll synopsize it. It was interesting because it just started the part you started out playing, which I assume is the start of it. The church is basically saying that the church, the way the attorney words this is really interesting because it sounds like your bishop, right? Or sounds, it's just the, lang- the language this guy uses. You know he's done it before. You know that they're coached to use it because he says something like, I, you know, I sent you a letter earlier detailing that the church is willing to assist you up to $90,000. Or he didn't say up to, he said, in the amount of $90,000 or something like that. The church is willing to assist you to the amount of $90,000. But then he says, he goes further, and then he ba- you find out that the church is willing to assist her and her mother to the tune of $300,000. So word to the wise out there, if you're suing the church, don't take the amount in the first letter. Well, and wait till the attorney I think meets with you in person. We need to clarify though that I don't. This woman was not suing the church. Really, I thought this was a a no. lawsuit the church was involved in. No, 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 this is hush money. This is not settlement. If I'm if it I'm understanding right, well, it's, yeah, it is, but it's not a legal settlement in the in sense that there was no lawsuit against the church. This woman was go went to this person at the church because she had heard that he helps abuse victims, and she was trying to get help. She was trying to get the church involved because uh, the bishop was unwilling or unable or legally barred from testifying in the court case against her father. Well, you know, it's possible that the KSL story is misleading. Well, we can. Which I'm, maybe I should have re- re- rephrased my comment. It's probable that the KSL story is misleading, but it says that uh, it talks about the AP press or the AP publishing a story, including information from recordings of a church representative talking to this woman about reaching a settlement with the church when she was an adult. So yeah, the but, story but did she not, was not. The story did not say why the church offered a settlement. But the story claimed it was evidence the church was trying to cover up the abuse. So the way I read that was that there was a lawsuit against the church, but you, but it could also be interpreted differently. The person's voice you hear in the recording, the man, mm-hmm. uh, we can say his name because it's here in the AP. His name is Paul Ritting, or Writing, R-Y-T-T-I-N-G. And he is the church, he's the head of the, he's an attorney, and he's the head of the church's risk management division. 
according to the AP article. And uh, this was, yeah, she was not suing. Well, he probably church. does this all the time then. Oh, he does. In, in fact, he refers to other things. He's, in, he's been involved with a lot of these types of things. So who knows how many people, how many checks have been written to people to be quiet about this t- sort of thing. But no, I don't think that the lady I've involved... I've got the AP article right here. Recordings show how the Mormon church... It, she, she was protects not itself from child abuse church. claims. In fact, the money is predicated on her not suing the church. I loaded up the AP here, and I could not see the article headline because of all the advertisements that it You need to invest on me. in a uh, couple ad blockers. Well, They're I do, free. I do normally use ad blockers, but for the Mind Virus show, I want to get <laughs> you the want full to... experience so that I can comment on what the world is <laughs> right, seeing right. when they interface with the with the internet. So I use the most common browser, which is Chrome, right? Like 90% mm-hmm. of people use Chrome. And I use Google as a search engine, which has got monopo- near monopoly um, market share. I mean, I don't know how we can't call Google a search monopoly. Google, and that's the big, when we talk about all the tech companies, you know, they're always focusing on X or Twitter. Just a side note here, a pet peeve of Mr. Bruno. Alphabet is the monopoly, guys. Come on. Wake up. Smell the Sherman Antitrust Act. Okay, (laughs) treble damages. Google is the monopoly. They are the monster. They are massively influencing what people think. KSL is like uh, a little jelly belly that's been walked on that you find smashed in a corner of your your kitchen compared to the the big enchilada here, which is Google. But anyway, I digress. Um, we're talking about because it's on Bobby's mind. Well, it wasn't on my mind. I just <laughs> saw I saw this headline through some other channels this morning, and and you know before we started recording, before Jordan came to the bunker. But it is on a lot of people's minds recently um there's been a lot of uh chatter in the podcast dosphere <laughs> this is a technical well term. there's been a lot of there's been a lot of chatter on the mind virus podcast lately yeah, it, about uh things related to the church well and this it's, it's this, clearly this abuse stuff it's clearly been on your mind i mean the whole uh, well yeah the, the nature of what we're caught up in here right specifically the abuse end of things hasn't necessarily been on my mind but, but just I've we, seen. Uh, there's who are been, we really? Is kind of like, right. Who, what who is, is this? <laughs> what is this thing we all grew up in? You know, the, at least those of us that are running the show here, right? Me and you. <laughs> Inquiring minds want to know. That's part of our heritage, <laughs> right? And the larger scale question. You know, who are we becoming? What What is the purpose of church? What is the purpose of religion? Well, but we've but we grew up in this too. I mean, those, these yeah. things were happening in the last twenty, thirty years when we were kids. We just haven't had the internet. We haven't had as much potential for disclosure. Well, and there's and there's a lot of people. I well, I shouldn't say a lot because it's hard to put a number on it. But there are some people who have bigger, much bigger audiences than we do on YouTube or other podcasts that are talking about this kind of stuff. 
the the abuse stuff, the financial stuff, the 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 whole nature of the church. Some do it in a more uh, antagonistic way. Some try to do it in a more of a apologetic way. And it's clear that there's a. I don't know. I'm sure people at the church office building. I'm sure they are aware on some level that there is a cultural war being waged amongst the the peasants, amongst us, the dirty masses. The hoi polloi, the unwashed masses, yeah. And up to up to this point, the church is content to be fairly neutral on that, on that civil war, on that war between the members mm-hmm. that it's being waged, and it is being waged, and the lines are sort of being drawn. Sometimes political, you know, the political affiliation of members is really a, a hot, uh, to- not a hot topic, but sort of the spark, you know, you. If you're a Democrat, LDS Democrat, you're probably a living contradiction, but you're also um, probably more likely to advocate for the church to change its policies regarding same-sex marriage, for example. If you're a conservative Mormon, you probably live with a lot of cognitive dissonance, and you are saying, no, the church would never do that because the doctrine will never change. And, and, And... and that's just one issue. And yeah, it's a hot topic issue. But where it gets weird is when people try to defend abuse that happen that happens sometimes within the allegedly within the you know on church properties or by by clergy members yeah. and and people then try to defend that. I can I I haven't seen it yet. Well, but I'm a, I'm sure there's people out there on the internet saying this woman. Yeah, but it's not this just This woman a, broke the NDA, which there's no evidence yeah. that she actually did. Yeah, you got the abuse side of things, but but also and this has been a big issue on the Mind Virus show. You got the vaccine issue. The the last 3 <laughs> years, the last 3 years were not there was Jordan. no it was a literal godsend. We consider this matter closed. Okay, <laughs> we consider the matter closed. Senior leadership considers the matter closed. But that's, the vaccine issue won't go away. And this, is, this was even bigger news, I think, than the, uh, and it should be bigger news in Utah, but for some reason the church dominates here, so therefore anything weird about the church goes to the, when the, to church, the top. The church isn't going to allow anything but they're not going to acknowledge anything about the vaccine. To well, you saw you saw to, some of the the links I sent you. This there's a yeah. whistleblower from New Zealand, your favorite place, you know, run by your your girlfriend. No, uh, she's gone. Oh yeah, formerly run by Bobby's my, favorite darling, my single source of truth, Jacinda Ardern. She's now what at Harvard or something? She fled the country, something like that. And I, I think actually, and then the, her replacement in New Zealand got run out on rails. And I think New Zealand finally woke up and voted in a, a, like a countermeasure, a person that's supposed to be a lot more conservative well, and liberty-minded. Yeah, but they're, they're going to have a problem because their deep state is oh, real. It is. The, this guy named Barry Young, who was like the, the main contractor or the main employee in charge of recording the... Um, uh, of um, tracking vaccination status and death status and stuff like that. He blew the whistle finally. He he came out with the data. He provided it to the world. Uh, this kind of broke large because Steve Kirsch, mm-hmm. you know who he is? He's, a, he's an MIT grad, an entrepreneur. 
um, he gave a, a lecture at MIT showing using statistical tools how the the vaccines are statistically now we have the data he had the record he was excited because he finally got the record level mm -hmm. data but he's been for the last year shouting oh, in, into years. the wind yeah but but the last year he the more and more data we get the more we know that that all cause mortality has has jumped due to the vaccines mm -hmm. that's not due to some other thing a lot of people want to say it's covid or long COVID or something like that. Mm -hmm. No, it's the vaccines. They have the statistical analysis, the cohort analysis, whatever that is. Um, they, they're able to put the people into their right buckets and, and figure out who's dying and who's not. This, and this it, guy, Steve Kirsch, is famous on Twitter for offering people money, like $100,000 to debate him. Yeah, nobody and nobody will take him up on it. Yeah, I think he offered uh, ten million dollars uh, for some. Yeah, I think he offered. Um, oh, what was what's the the little Hotez? Yeah, Peter Hotez. He offered him a bunch of money to to debate, and nobody takes him up on it. Well, he's famous because he donated like two and a half million dollars to MIT for a construction project, and they named a lecture hall after him. It's mm -hmm. the Steve Kirsch Lecture Hall. And the last during COVID, they wouldn't let him come and talk about these issues in his own <laughs> lecture hall. So they, held, they finally let him back on campus, and that's where they held his uh, little live stream, was on, in, in his, uh, the lecture hall named after him. I'm sure there's eponymous pe lecture hall. people there like, we've got to rename this thing. This guy died already. He paid him two, two and a half million dollars. He's a pretty young guy. Like he's about he's like in his fifties or something, fifties or sixties, yeah. But he, so he's done a lot of the statistical analysis, and I've got to go uh, brush up on my stats because he used some terms that, and he talked about a lot of math in his presentation. But he was showing how um, that we have, according to our own rationale, we have a certain um, expectation of a vaccine that it will, that you'll have a. Uh, a very, very low number of deaths, like one in a million, right? And that that will remain flat. And then he shows how the vaccine curves all jump and and go nuts. And, and we shouldn't be having all this death. And in fact, he's even decided that there are no safe vaccines because of the data that he's run on other, on other vaccines for comparison. But anyway, he was super excited to get this uh, record level data from... Uh, the New Zealand whistleblower, who police have now reportedly raided Barry Young's home on Sunday and arrested him after he revealed uh, that nearly one in four citizens died within a year of receiving Pfizer's experimental COVID shot. This is InfoWars. They're being hyperbolic here because some of the batches had a nearly 25% mm -hmm. death rate. Not all of them did. But right. he, he <clears throat> has the information linking people to batches and, and people to their death dates. And, you know, so he's got like individual, that's what they call record level data. They have the individuals mm -hmm. listed. And he gave that after removing the HIPAA right. <laughs> sensitive stuff, the names and any identifying information from it. He gave that out to the world, gave it out to people like Steve Kirsch. And then they ran additional statistical analysis on it showing that um, these vaccines are not 
safe and effective. They're only a godsend if you're talking about being sent by the other god, the well, fallen, the fallen god, the one who wants death and chaos, the god of death, <laughs> the god of entropy, the god who usurped control and took over the world, and is reigning with blood and horror on the earth. Doesn't it say something in the temple ceremony about, I will take that money, and I will buy up armies and navies, false priests who oppressed, popes and pharmaceutical companies, and reign with blood and horror on mm-hmm. the earth? Isn't that what it says? Yeah, it says pharmaceuticals I for sure. I think it specifically mentions you know pharmaceutical that, companies. The, uh, the Facebook post uh, where Russell Nelson called it a literal godsend, I, there's a little... Uh, it, it probably means nothing, but the G in godsend is lowercase. Really? And that, that's always something I've noticed. Mm. The, anyway, I'm just saying, like, we got bigger fish to fry here. The va- we're, we support killing people. Oh, yeah. They highly urge it. And, uh... As long as your medical professional urges it. Kirsch, I'll have to find and link to Kirsch's presentation. Because he's like, look, these people in the medical establishment, shame on them. They're all afraid of losing their jobs, which is true. It's true. They're not questioning it. He's, he's so animated. I'm not saying his enthusiasm should, should be the reason why you believe him. No, look at the data. He's willing to provide the data to anybody that wants to analyze it. I know we've got a couple of uh, PhD-level um, stats nerds out there that listen to this show. Did you know that we have at least two like, that, are, that could actually verify they regularly listen to the show. They could actually go out and uh, verify Steve Kirsch's data and make a comment on the mindvirus.show website to confirm. Or they could come on this the MIT Mind, guy. Mind Virus show. They could. It'd take a lot of work, I'm sure. Kirsch said that he provided all the tools that mm-hmm. you could analyze it pretty quickly. Well, and, and he, if, if you've been paying attention, if you have a curious mind you know that something's not right. You know something has been weird and off for the last three-plus years. Right. You know that the world is changing. You, you can sense it. You feel it in, in your bones. And people like Steve Kirsch are awesome because they're, they're capable of analyzing data and numbers and things that I, I can't. Well, they're willing to go out and get it from disparate sources. Like Kirsch was saying, the CDC doesn't have all the data, but the states, the states have the death data. They could, they could, if, if somebody wanted to look, we could, we could find out that these are dangerous vaccines, but people are not willing to look. It's like, la, 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 la. you know, they're, well, they're, yeah, they're putting their, because uh, they're closing their eyes, putting their fingers in their ears and running around <laughs> screaming, saying, don't tell me that's what the world is doing right now. The popular media is saying, right. don't tell me that these vaccines are killing us, but the data is coming out. And that's what's so significant right. about Barry Young and the fact that he has put his personal liberty in jeopardy by blowing the whistle in New Zealand. And, it, and it's, it's typical that something like this would happen in a small country because you'd have a smaller group of people in charge of the data. Mm-hmm. In this case, you have this one guy and then a couple of other coworkers, and he's able to put it out to the world right. and show, yes, we had Pfizer batches that killed 25%. And we don't want to look because we're terrified of what we might see, and then it implicates all of us. Right. I think Kirsch was trying to say the, the excess death was like one in a thousand or something like that. It was, but that's a huge... That's huge. That's that, a that, huge they're, number. They're, these vaccines are sold on the idea that it's one in millions 
that well, they're sold on the idea that that they're safe and effective. That they're not even it's the, not even an option. The Texas AG, right? This is an, here's another example of what's coming out. The Texas Attorney General, who survived an impeachment attempt, he is suing Pfizer or Moderna. It's Moderna because. Um, they promoted the vaccine as 95% effective, right? Right. And he said by the CDC's own standards and by the, the typical way that we would talk about vaccine effectiveness, the preferred methods, that it was actually only using their own clinical data, which we know was fudged, mm-hmm. right? There have been whistleblowers come out and explain that the, the, the studies were, were manipulated, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, including the remdesivir studies, right? Mm-hmm. Run, death is near. Right. They... The Texas AG is arguing in the legal documents that by their own numbers, um, the Moderna vaccine was only 0.85% effective in their trials. Less than 1% effective at stopping it. And that's what Kirsch was trying to say. He's like, look, there is no benefit. It didn't keep people out of hospitals. In fact, we're showing a long-term massive increases in death. The more vaccines you take, the more likely you are to die. You're cutting down your lifespan. This is just, especially if you're elderly, right? Right. Well, essentially, the the things that people warn about initially are starting to come, starting to play out. Erickson, the Bakersfield guy, vindicated in spades. I saw those guys recently, or I saw somebody had linked to that, and we knew this in the, May. Those guys of 2020. I, those guys are heroes. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know. They'll never be treated as such. And they weren't even talking about the vaccine. The vaccine wasn't even a blip then. But they were saying, we run a clinic and we're, we're getting we're, test we're, data. We're and getting test data. And this isn't as bad as like. Not even close. Like what is going on in the world? This is crazy. And mass hysteria. Don't worry about it. And it's going to pass. They were buried. No they weren't one. just buried. They were like uh, ostracized, right. uh, persecuted, right? You know, run out of town on a rail type of stuff. Anyway, I know I'm getting. But see, it, over, one the, of the. Well, go ahead. I'm finish. just. Get, I, I'm getting a little animated about the vaccine thing because that that's I think the bigger news than than it's the L, that the LDS paid hush money three hundred thousand right. dollars to this, but it's typical. What's interesting about the hush money is we have the recording, and you have this guy who's like. Like, you know, you can listen to this guy. And if, if you listen to it, you're like, I've heard people talk like this before. And I know people that I trust and um, respect that act like that, that, that use this silky, sweet, mm-hmm. you know, very nice, very, very careful explanatory. You probably, you know, if you've ever bought a home, you're, you're, uh, closing officer, escrow mm-hmm. officer, whatever, probably like, oh, and this means this, and this means this. And you probably shook their hands and thought, that person is a really nice right. person. They care about me. They care about me, yeah. They're helping me through this stack of paperwork that I don't have to read. <laughs> uh, and then they're, gonna, they're even going to give me three days that I can read the stack <laughs> of paperwork if I want. And then I can come back. No, the, like, it's mind-blowing because... When you know the bigger picture, right. that this is this is to keep this woman quiet so that people don't know that a bishop abused his daughter. Well, what what specifically she's asked to do is to uh, sign the agreement and that that says you will not sue us, meaning the church, and also that you will destroy these recordings within ten days. 
Now, I think the loophole here is that there was somebody else involved who was there in the room. The, the article mentions this person as an advocate. This person was not subject to the NDA. He didn't sign it. And so he kept the recordings. And he's the one who provided them to the AP, I believe. This uh, risk management, the head of risk management of the church didn't manage that risk very well there. I guess Should not. Should have had everybody I, I, in the room. And, and, and that's the thing. You know that the next time, the next time the church does this, they won't they allow will, anything to be recorded. They'll, they will sweep for bugs, you know? Right. But the bat, the cat's out of the bag because now the, the question the question arises, how many other people? People are being paid with sacred tithing funds to, <laughs> to you know, cover this stuff up. And I don't, <clears throat> I don't, I don't fault the victim here. She's a victim, and you know, her her dad who abused her is um, estranged from the family, obviously. And he's also a free man. He's a dentist, and so, you know, you may want to vet your dentist. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, Where have those hands been? <laughs> but it's uh, it's just it's just sad that the the number one the number one concern for the official representative of the church is not are you okay? It's it's uh, we need to protect our our image and our legal uh, liability. And, well, I and think that's, that's been they, the, a people big would complaint. argue though that the people would argue though that the money. It was to assist them in whatever the whatever the issue was. The money was to assist yeah, them but it, because the dad had gone bonkers. Sure, but the money came at a was conditional on her silence, being being quiet, or at least not using these recordings and not suing the church. Right. It was a preempt. So that maybe that was a preemptive settlement or something. Right. You've got a pretty good case here. We'd like to. Well, it also the 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 legal end of things. The dad was arrested, but they could never prosecute. They could never go to trial because the bishop who was involved. So the dad, the abuser, went to his bishop right and confessed. And that uh, bishop was unable, or prevented from, or unwilling to testify because you know clergy client privilege. Mm. And so the prosecutors dropped the case, so we can't find a witness. And it almost seems like the more of these things, the more of these types of cases that become public, like the, the Arizona one, it's like if you're an abuser, the best thing you could do is go to your bishop and, or your pastor and confess, because then suddenly you're protected. Well, and that's a... A dilemma, moral dilemma, right? Because traditionally, the pastor was supposed to keep things private because otherwise people wouldn't come and get help. Sure. And that's, I understand That's the that. idea with a spouse, spousal privilege and attorney-client privilege. I understand all of that. Right. But we're talking... When, there's a difference between going to a bishop and saying, you know, Bishop, I, uh, I uh, kissed uh, my wife's best friend or something, and saying, I'm abusing people right now, and, and there's victims, and, and it's ongoing. Well, I think the, they're, they're encouraged to ask the guy to turn themselves in, right? I don't know. I don't know. 
That's a good question. What is the risk management? Because here's if the thing if with... If you're part of the risk management um, group at the church, let us know what the policy is. Uh, <laughs> if someone from risk management's listening, they're probably just going to send a cease and desist. <laughs> and I will cease and desist for $300,000. <laughs> <laughs> But but the, the the sad truth with abuse is that if if someone if somebody uh, confesses to it right to a bishop or whatever that is not a past crime that is an ongoing crime because those those guys don't stop they don't there's always another victim I mean the Arizona case is just tragic the one that's made a lot of headlines this guy uh, abused two of his daughters, one was an infant when he did it. And this was after he had, after he had confessed. And it's like the church says in this new article, like, wow, he's been excommunicated and he's no longer, and he's not been readmitted for membership. Oh, okay, well then everything's fine then. Never the mind. church did its job. Never mind, he's still out there. Well, people, one thing that comes to my mind is that people need assistance, right? So why does this woman get the assistance? Is it because of the level of uh, um, emotional distress she's experienced? I, I think a lot of people would argue they've had emotional distress in the church. Well, there are people that argue that. And then, and then but, maybe uh, they emotional, were sexually abused. Yeah, emotional distress. I think the church would say, you brought this on yourself. Well, that's the... I by, think the big, by participating in a stressful, emotionally... Uh, abusive, which is what the church situation. I think that the I think young, the young women's group, the young men's group, well, you scout think, camp. Right. I think it's really um, hard to be uh, in these organizations and not feel kind of beat up. Primary, junior primary. You've you've been in primary briefly. <laughs> I walked in and dropped my kid off. <laughs> I I had a primary calling that almost ruined me. I'm I'm not even joking. Like it was I dreaded going to church on Sundays with that calling because I would leave church with a splitting headache every week. It was just miserable. Then the ward split and I was released and would you like some assistance? Yeah. I told you. The letter we sent. I told you my number. The letter we sent. But think about the scouts. We both we we've both been in the scout program. That is not an easy program to be involved with. No, there's there's definitely situations that would uh, people would call abuse that are not sexual abuse, not the typical right. scandalous ones like trying to get the kids to just cooperate on a level that that, well, that allows your troop to operate. Right. Well, and just in the to, in the just to get to the flag ceremony or something like the that. Culture, that can be difficult. In the LDS culture too with like our weekly activities, like your job, you're you're supposed to keep at that time, we had like 24 boys in the troop. It was in, out of control. And my job was to keep them entertained and busy for two hours, one night a week. That's hard to do. Well, I think, weren't, weren't you on a camp where one of the kids had a breakdown? Yeah, he swung a camp chair at my head. <laughs> but I had another uh, adult there, and we... Well, there were, we, that wasn't... Uh, we the, handled that was, it. That was a very... Uh, 
But that whole Li- week, a limited retelling, from what I understand, that was, <laughs> yeah. a, very, that was a very PG limited I'm retelling. Re- of I'm the going story. to protect the. Uh... I've been privy to. I, I remember <laughs> as a kid, as a kid, a scoutmaster employing some heavy-handed tactics to try to get, uh, try to get us moving. You know, here here's a weird. It was stressful. Here's a weird side note on that same camping trip where the kid swung the chair out of my head. We were involved, so th- that was a big scout camp, right? There was lots That's a, of troops. Wh- what you're saying is that was like an official scout camp. Yeah. That was uh, BSA. Yeah, and there was a lot. Run. There, there was hundred hundreds of people there, and yeah, we were sitting around our campfire one night, and uh, I, you might have been there actually. Was I? I don't know. We were sitting around the campfire telling stories or whatever, having a little program, and these teenage, these teenagers come into our camp. Staffers? Staffers. Uninvited. They come in, and without even, with no discretion whatsoever, they just step in front of the person who was an adult who was speaking and says, uh, wh- who's in charge here? We need to talk about some, uh, some uh, accusations. I'm like, what? And I was... Unfortunately, the guy in charge, I said, okay, well, let's bring it over here. Yeah. Come over here. What, like what's going on? Uh, somebody said that they saw you go into the woods alone with another scout. I'm like, really? Somebody said that they saw me. They're like, well, they saw somebody. (laughs) And I said, okay. And well, we just were investigating. I'm like, who are you? I'm like, okay. Duly noted. I'm like, we're in the middle of something. And I just thought, like, who's sending these kids out? on the, Like, this is some, they're, they're treading some legal, uh, crossing some legal lines. They're like, nice. are you, what are you making accusations? Are you asking if I saw anything? And at that point, I was like, I've got to get the heck out of this camp. <laughs> we actually did leave early. <laughs> we left a night, like, we, Friday, those things, those, those things on, you know, kind of have the closing ceremonies on a Friday. Yeah, so you left and then, immediately. And, and, and then everybody leaves Saturday morning. Uh-huh. We left that Friday night. We just, we talked to the boys. I'm like, you guys want to stick around for the thing tomorrow? And they're like, no. So we just got out of there. Yeah. We were done. I'm just, I'm pointing out that... There are a lot of stressful situations. There's a lot of anxiety, a lot of maybe mental anguish. Uh, you could call it permanent damage. We're, we're formed by these experiences. I mean... Life is a stressful situation. Yeah. So we could... And I'm not, I'm not saying that the... I'm not trying to say that this situation of abuse up in Ketchum, Idaho was... Uh, should be downplayed or anything. It's just... Like a lot of people have cases against the church, right? Well, if if we're going to bring the church into it, if you want, if you well, don't want the tell-all, the 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 story in the AP, the the victim of this abuse had a friend who said, "My dad deals with this stuff. You should contact him." She said, "Okay," so she contacted him. Him being this guy that's on the recording, the head of risk oh, management. Really? So she had a she had a an inside track. She had an inside track but didn't know she again according to the article, she thought she was calling or getting in contact with like an advocate, somebody who could help bring the perpetrator to justice. Instead, mm. she was just getting in touch with the head of the church's 
risk management department. So they were willing to assist. And the question is, were they really assisting or were they hushing the whole situation up? Right. And it may be both, depending on your perspective. And, and it just brings, like, again, it's separating the, the victim from this. I'm not trying to, I don't want to uh, uh, criticize her in, in any of this. But it, brings, it, it raises a lot of questions. How many of these people are, does the church pay? And uh, how do they, de- how, how, you're bringing up a good point. How do they determine who gets money and who doesn't? And how, how long has this been going on, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, the, the, the financial, again, this, this always winds back to the financial shenanigans that the church is involved with, which we don't know much about because there's no transparency. So we have to go off of uh, documents that whistleblowers release and uh, analysis that people engage in based on those released documents. And, and meanwhile, you're supposed to keep bowing your head and saying yes so you can participate in the church. Ignorantly, I would argue. And that alone, right there, it could be considered abuse, right? We're, we're all being kind of mentally and spiritually abused because they're saying you have to sustain us as such and such and such and such in order, and you have to continue to pay your tithing in order to go to the temple. And if you don't go to the temple, you're not a good member of the church. And of course, if you, you're, 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 you're not participating in saving ordinances, and in order to go to the temple, you have to do this and this. But we're also not going to tell you about us. We're not going to tell you uh, about our financial dealings. You just need to keep paying. So I think I've quoted this before on the podcast. Um, <clears throat> I, I, I'm going to quote scripture again. If you don't, a few people don't mind out there. Well, uh, great are the words of Isaiah, for they have been and they shall be. Search the words of Isaiah. I think that was Jesus that said that yeah, in the but, Book of Mormon. But again, they're not as Great are the words of Isaiah, but not as great as, as my vintage comic book collection. Right, dead prophet. I take, I see your Isaiah, and I raise you the Haney doctrine. Okay. Just we're do, uh, my point is that we're doing this to ourselves. Mm-hmm. If you're part of the, if you're part of the group, and and that's the problem is that the you if you're going to church, you all know how this works. You can't bring anything up without getting hushed and pulled aside and then turned around in circles and sent on your way. Like, here, put your nose on this baseball bat, turn around in 10 circles, and then walk away that way. That's usually what happens. Like, you can't can't go out and um, convince your ward to do it some other way. If you were to convince your ward to do it some other way, like, say, for example, say we're not going to do the next six months of lessons on conference talks. We're going to do it on something else. If you did that, they have a mechanism in place to stop you. The stake would come in, lock you out of the building, change your leadership, whatever. That, and if the stake decided to change, so you can't, what I'm saying is you can't start like a referendum in your ward. Other, this, is, this has been dealt with already. But uh, because we allow it to happen, we are fulfilling the words of Isaiah, which in chapter 3, 
again, if you want to uh, liken this unto yourself or realize that this prophecy applied back then and it applies now because greater are the words of Isaiah, they have been, they shall be, you know, you're welcome to do that according to the scriptures. Chapter 3. Uh, Verse 1, For behold, the Lord, the Lord of hosts, doth take away from Jerusalem and from Judah. Okay, so, who's Jerusalem and who's Judah? Well, we we could say this is modern Israel, right? People who are modern, like the state of Israel. We could say that it's people that live over there that are Jews and Jerusalem. We could take it literally, or we could consider Jerusalem to be the city where God's work is purportedly done, right? The people who follow God and Judah to be the ruling class of the people that follow God. So the form and function of this points to say if you're if you're in the Mormon nation, the 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 LDL do I have to say the whole name of the church? The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. If you're in that group of people, what would be the ruling city? Jerusalem, right? Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. And Judah would be the the leadership. Mm-hmm. Or, or the active people. So he's going to take away from Jerusalem and Judah the stay and the staff, the whole stay of bread, the whole stay of water. He's going to take away the mighty man and the man of war, the judge and the prophet, the prudent and the ancient, the captain of 50, the honorable man, the counselor, the cunning artificer, the eloquent orator. So like... Who, who are those people? Those are like the, the foundations of their society, the leadership, the people that inspire, the people that create. Um, it's strangely reminiscent of Hunibly's leaders and managers talk, right? Mm-hmm. What's the difference between a leader and what's the difference between a manager? In this case, all the leaders are taken away. And what are you left with? I mean, I mean... Spencer Cox. He says, okay, here's what he says next. I will give children to be their princes. Mm -hmm. Like I just said. And babes shall rule over them. And then it says this, and the people shall be oppressed, every one by another and every one by his neighbor. Isn't that, isn't that what we're doing to each other in this society? Like, Like, we can't get out of it because... We keep like crabs in the bucket, right? Pulling people back in. We can't. And if if somebody stands up and tries to shed light on it, say, like, um, the we the we are the people Utah podcast. How mm-hmm. are they treated, mm-hmm. right? How are they treated by the press or Elon Musk, for example? Right. We're gonna boycott you if on a broader scale. Musk, I, I'm suspicious of the guy. I'm suspicious of X. I don't. I don't think you get to that high of a level without making a deal with the devil. But on its face, he's acting like he's bringing free speech back to I, Twitter. Uh, and, he, and, and Twitter's a lot better since they took control of it. I think Musk is going through like a, a, an awakening. Personally? Yeah, like a like spiritual. A, a, a sincere. I, I, I wonder, because I'm, I'm suspicious too, right? But... He's, well, anybody can repent, right? Anybody can right. change he their might, heart. Maybe mind. he made a deal with the devil. Maybe he's repenting. Maybe he's seeing the light. Has he ever seen the movie The Little Mermaid? Because uh, I when you sign has. your na- when you sign your name to the contract with the sea witch, <laughs> Ursula, right? They want to take your voice, right? Right. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. In his weird, goofy 
awkward way, I think he's experiencing an awakening. I don't know what that means. I don't know what, where he's going to land on all of this. But he's not afraid. He's realizing, I think, that he's uncancelable. And, uh, you know, the, the, some major advertisers basically tried to blackmail him by threatening him. Well, they took their money from, they were spending a lot of money with Twitter. And he right. said, ha ha, I've already fired 90% of the workforce, so we don't right. need your money. But then he, and, and they tried to say, well, we're, we're not going to pay for advertising on your platform if you don't do it our way. And he said, you, you know, go you F guys yourselves. try to blackmail me with money. Go <laughs> F yourselves. Is that clear? Go F yourselves. If you've watched that <laughs> clip, it's kind of the guy doing the interview is kind of alarmed. Yeah. Well, and Elon shows some emotion. He's usually pretty even keeled, but he, you could tell he was mad about this. Yeah. And th- thus sparking headlines from the Babylon Bee, you know, like we read about <laughs> with no Disney content on X. The gr- grooming, Child grooming is down. Grooming is down 87%. It's a believable, but <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think uh, it's clear that the world is changing very rapidly, right? Be, right in front of our eyes. It's 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 you can't deny it. And I think it's clear that there are people, you know, uh, there there's people that are waking up to this and and trying trying to figure out what it all means and what we should do and. It's interesting, you know, it says uh, uh, neighbors uh, will oppress their neighbors, right, there in, in Isaiah. And we have a word for that. It's called a Karen. <laughs> Socialism. <laughs> right. And then on a more serious note, though, you have people, governments are just other people, right? And you have people oppressing uh, Well, the, the question people. is, this is the thought experiment, and, and I think we might have brought this up before, but it's worth repeating. What is government other than a group of people, right? Right. And so does, should the government, and, and this is the question of the greater good, which is a logical fallacy, should the government have any moral authority to do anything to you that your neighbor should uh, not be able to do to you? So th- right. do they have any greater moral authority than your neighbor? For example... Your neighbor can't take your stuff, right? Right. So what makes it right for your neighbor to get together with two other neighbors and vote to take your stuff? Nothing. That's theft. We know that. It's clearly. So how many neighbors banding together does it take to make theft morally acceptable? Is it 10 neighbors? Is it 100 neighbors? Is it 1,000 neighbors? Is it 100,000 neighbors? There, that's the moral fallacy is that somehow there's some sort of a threshold that makes it okay to steal Bobby Flood's stuff. And it's all just theft. It's just legal plunder, legal theft. And right. it's not morally okay. So it's not okay for the government to murder. It's not okay for the government to imprison you without you uh, infringing on th- someone else's rights or their person or their, you know, their, mm-hmm. their property. So th- this, this is the point. There is no... There is no moral basis for government or a group to act um, any differently than an individual. Right, but they do it. They do it with impunity. Oh, oh, they've been doing it forever. And they do it forever because they have a, uh, because they're elected. 
Well, they have force. To, they to have they have a legal monopoly on violence. They, they're, yeah, they have the legal monopoly on violence. They are protected when they commit violence. Right. The society they, they protects use, them. They use words like fines or taxation. Yeah, they changed all the terminology. Instead of, you know? we're going st- to we're gonna take your stuff if you do this. We'll steal your stuff for these reasons. Right. That's the way it should be said. We're going to steal from you, but hey, we're funding education with the money we steal from you. Oh, well, that makes it okay then. Well, anyway, verse 8. Sometimes we just stop right there. Verse 8, for Jerusalem is ruined and Judah is fallen because their tongue and their doings are against the Lord and provoke the eyes of his glory. That's all I have to say. All right. Well, good thing those always apply to other people. No the matter, scriptures? No matter who you are. I mean the scriptures? The scriptures. No matter who you are. the scriptures apply to the Protestants and the Catholics. Well, if you're the Protestants and the Catholics, then they apply to the, oh, and to the Baptists and the Mormons. Don't forget, Secret Combinations is the mafia. Right, right. Just a, just, it's just a cartoon. It's the mafia. Or, or gangs in, in East L.A., Southern Chicago. Maybe. Right. It never applies to you personally. Nephi was just like, liken the scriptures to other people. That's what he said, right? <laughs> so that you may point your finger at them and we say, did, told we, you so, we you did jerks. Liken, we did liken the scriptures to the Lamanites, that it would be for our profit and learning. That's what he said. Yeah. We did liken the scriptures unto the Lamanites, and we did invest funds into the stock market for our profit and learning. <laughs> right? Right. That's what it said. Ay, ay, ay. By the way, uh, on the comments on the website, uh, episode 152, w- we had talked about the parable of the talents, and we had a new commenter. We want to welcome you to the comment section, Logan Bump, or Logon Bump. Um, there is a city in Utah called Logan. Yeah. Pronounced Logan. Logan. Also the name of the uh, um, the first name, the Christian name of the X-Men, Wolverine. It's spelled L-O-G-A-N. This guy's spelling it L-O-G-O-N. So maybe it's log on bump? Like I don't know. Log, log on, on bump. Bump on a log. That's probably what we're getting it. We're slow, to, slow on the uptake here. Log on bump? Yeah. Okay. I thought I maybe I he know. logs onto a forum and then he bumps his own thread. You can log on. Or on log on bump, um, you can go ahead and uh, let us know in the comments <laughs> what that means. But anyway, this guy uh, or this person gave another interpretation of the parable uh, of the talents, which was interesting. Um, and the he pasted it into this, or maybe he wrote it. But uh, thank you for your comment here. I thought it was was interesting. The assertion was that. Um, that this is sort of a a parable to show you what Jesus is not like, that Jesus doesn't act like Mm -hmm. the the master, which was a a different take on it. I still like the take that I promoted. (laughs) Right. But uh, it's worth reading this if you want to... It was an interesting perspective on it. Yeah, it was an interesting perspective. Thank you for leaving that comment. 
Of course, we've had uh, Rebe. What did we decide? Rebe. That's how she decided to pronounce her name. Rebe. Rebe. <laughs> commented a little bit more. Uh, thank you for your comments. And we've had a few other commenters. Some of the regulars, I play the radio, Whitaker. Haven't heard from Dr. Nick or Dimitri in a long time. But uh, that's like the little robot in uh, Evie. Yeah, Eva. Evie. Eva. Eva. <laughs> um, yeah, Anyways. we haven't. You've got to bring up the comment that TBM dropped on our last week's episode. Well, anyway, we do appreciate your comments is what I wanted to say, except for TBM. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, TBM left us a link to uh, a little biopic on... We call it a biopic, a little biographical article on yeah. John Willard Young. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah. So last week, we talked a little bit about the succession in the church. And I I said something like, well, Brigham came up with that. And, and what I was poorly remembering was that article. Yeah. I've read that before. Oh, okay. Yeah, because we, last week, if you didn't listen to it, feel free to skip. But uh, I thought it was really interesting. Or go back and listen. It was uh, kind of a pros and cons of Brigham versus Joseph. You know, what might have changed. It was an interesting discussion. But uh, yeah, this writer sheds light on Joseph's, or not Joseph, uh, Brigham's strategic ordination of his favorite son at the age of 11 to hopefully put him in the line of succession so that he would become president of the church fairly right. quickly. And he would have. In fact, he was he was in line for it. He was getting ready to come back to Salt Lake to assume presidency. Well, then Lorenzo Snow changed the rules. And they're like, we're not having this guy. Because and before this time he had, he had a, he had he was a member of the first presidency. He was officially a member of the first presidency. Right. He was an advisor to his father at the end of his life. At the end of Brigham's life, kind of. Yes. This guy bounced back and forth between Salt Lake and New York. He was never a believer. He was never real interested in the church. He was a financial entrepreneur who made big deals and then squandered the money. And then the church. Speaking of the church, paying out settlements and money. Well, the church was paying him Brigham a stipend. Was, Brigham was paying him using church funds to pay off his debts, to... Uh, to live. To live. High on the hog in, in the New East. York City. Yeah. At it the just, most it, lavish hotels. There, not, there are letters. Right. It's not the greatest story, uh, especially if you're a real Brigham fan. Um, it it doesn't it doesn't shed a great light on the on the family and then of course John Willard ended up dying in poverty after losing everything and being denied his uh, his ascendancy to the yeah. being the president of the church and the other underlying and the author of this kind of brings it up the underlying context or underlying takeaway is that the succession policy that we engage in today came about from, <clears throat> kind of came about just from rulemaking and politicking w within the quorum. And the way that the technicality they, they used to prevent John Willard Young from being President John Willard Young was that they made, they came up with the rule or the idea that the senior member of the quorum would then be the next president. The technicality was that John, John Willard, though a member of the first presidency, 
and ordain an apostle was never a member of the quorum. Right. And so he went from being the most senior to on the outs completely. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's not necessarily something to like be all twisted about. It's just the reality of, you know, and now, well, author- now, nowadays it's like, well, the next, we, we know, I could tell you the next 15 presidents sure. if nobody died, right? If, right. Except for when they were the president, right? right. Because we know that, the, we know the seniority of the quorum. Yeah. Well, the author made a point that um, Joseph had called his family members into positions of authority in the church <clears throat> and uh, made special mention of that. I think that the author was uh, f- had favorable leanings towards the church, looked like a right. probably a active member. The I think there's there, a little... There's a difference, though. What I want right. to point out is the money thing. Like, Joseph... Um, there, there was a point... When uh, the members started paying tithing, this is section 115 or 119, 119, I think, that says that the tithing is supposed to be for the debts of the presidency mm-hmm. because the there was a point where Joseph was spending all his time working for the church and the members wanted him to keep doing that, but he wasn't taking any money. And so then... Uh, and and they were amassing debts, personal debts or whatever. So the the early church was not like well I'm just trying to point out that the early church was not like the Brigham's church. Mm-hmm. Brigham was able to divert <clears throat> funds because the church owned all kinds of enterprises out here in Utah and was receiving tithing, etc. And um in Joseph's day, the church owned some some buildings like the Kirtland Temple, but they they never really owned any other property. Like there, I, I did some research on this. They they didn't build any chapels in Joseph's lifetime. Right. There was uh, there was a chapel that was given to the the saints, the missionary uh, led saints in England that was sold two years later. But they didn't they didn't ever really build any meeting houses. You know so. That that ought to, that's an interesting data point when we talk about what's what's an appropriate form of Sunday worship, but uh, especially when you look at Joseph's journals and he says at home with family twenty five percent of the time. Right. I, I did a study of that. <laughs> the uh, there's also a difference when Joseph called his dad to be the patriarch or Hiram to be his right hand man. Uh, the the Smith family. They were the first family to accept the restoration. They were there. They lived. They lived through the first vision. They lived through the the, the plates and the translations. The Alvin called it the project, right? Mm-hmm. But these weren't paying positions, is what I'm trying to point right, out. Right, of course, of course. <laughs> but but I'm saying I don't even think it's nepotism. It's like Joseph called those who were. Loyal, loyal to loyal the loyal and, to the project, yeah, and charismatic, charismatically uplifted or charismatically enlightened and, by it. And I think that both Joseph Smith Senior and Hiram were 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 qualified for the positions they were called. Hi, Hiram was every bit the charismatic leader that Joseph yeah, was. You make it. You make a really good point. And I, I'm trying to say that they weren't that they they weren't uh, compensated and the, right. the, the mechanisms weren't in place for that to happen during Joseph's lifetime. And you're making an even better point. And by the way, they, that they were involved from the beginning, and they, of a right, ought to have been 
leaders of the church. Right. Well, Hiram had Hiram not been killed the same day Joseph, Hiram would have been the successor. Right. And and the intention was always that Joseph's line would have uh, that that the priesthood would have passed mm-hmm. from father to son. That the the priestly uh, lineage would have passed that way, and that his sons would have led the church. And of course, again, it's, it's, like like Nibley has explained, we go. Th- the world has always gone through periods of apostasy and restoration, right. bright spots, and then falling away uh, from that. And essentially fractionation and chaos. And instead of rooting for the BYU Cougars, we might be rooting for the JSU Cougars, the Joseph Smith University. I've always wondered, why why didn't we call it Joseph Smith University? Well, we we have very little Joseph Smith stuff around here. You have like the JSB, the Joseph Smith Building Mm -hmm. at uh, BYU. You have the Joseph Smith Memorial Building, which is the former Hotel Hotel Utah. Right. So in, in the last... 30 years, there's been a move on to try to commemorate Joseph Smith. But for the most part, well, I don't it's think it's all... called BYU. I think it's called BYU because BY established it. A Brigham Young, it used to be the Brigham Young Academy. Brigham Young Academy. And there was the Brigham Young High School down in Provo. You know, Brigham Young also founded the uh, University of Utah, Brigham City. Brigham City. Yeah, you don't have a lot of Joseph stuff around. It's mostly Brigham. And in fairly, like, Joseph never made it out here. Willard Bay, Willard Richards. Yeah. So, um, well, uh, <clears throat> sorry. Heber City? I, uh, Heber City? Okay. Oh, uh, well, what I was going to say, there's a quote, and I wish I remembered who said it. It was uh, a general authority, maybe an apostle, said there's, there's three ways you rise to fame in this church. Revelation. Relation and some other kind of shun. <laughs> uh, perspiration. Like you work for it. Sexual abusation. <laughs> no, I think, it was, I think it was perspiration. But I, I don't remember. But the point being is there's a lot of people that uh, are called to positions in the church because of their, their dad was somebody or their brother. And we have that now, right? Uh, Elder Holland, Jeffrey Holland has a son in the 70s. Yeah. Um, well, Iring's son was the president at BYU right. Idaho, right? Bonnie Corden's dad was a seventy named uh, Hillam. Um, so th- there's, there's certainly you know, d- d- ne- wasn't nepotism is alive and well? Isn't wasn't isn't there a, a Tom a, a Monson Jr. in the seventy right I now? Know. And I, I wasn't his so. daughter. Sure. It's a Hinkley Jr. Right? Oh yeah, there is a Hinkley. And wasn't Thomas Monson's daughter in the one and of the presidency? Yeah, she was in the yeah. release study presidency, I think. And, and, and I don't really necessarily have an issue with that if the people are, are qualified and if the Lord is directing those callings. Now, that's always the question, right? Like, how, how involved is the Lord in calling the Sunday school president in your ward or something like Maybe is the Lord involved? Well, right. Like, like we've 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 had we know feeling. how the sausage is made, right? I, I had a good feeling about you serving in the primary. I had a good. I have a good feeling about it. Yeah, I have a very. I've had an impression. The feeling I had was splitting headaches every the, Sunday. The impression that I got, Bobby, was that you should be the scoutmaster, not me. So the, you, impre- the, the impression you that. that I, the impression that I got. We were, we were, I, I always like to bring up Boston's, uh, <laughs> the Boston song, More Than a Feeling, right? It's yeah. more than a feeling. That's the, the Holy Ghost is more than a feeling. But uh, 
Anyway. So it was you then. We were involved in the scouts. Yeah, at the I same declined time. the. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. The the I was the scout committee chairman for five years. I remember sending people over to your house with uh, people who had finished their eagle requirements. Said, "Well, now you got to go talk." We're to outing us. ourselves as having lived in the same ward. I guess that's okay. I think that we've already done that. Well, I think you could put it together based on <laughs> clues. <laughs> But uh, I used to say to these young men, well, now that your mom has finished your eagle for you, you need to go see <laughs> Brother Bruno. It, it became very apparent that moms were finishing the eagle. Oh, yeah. Were doing the eagle yeah. thing for these kids. And that's yeah. why I resigned my post after five years. You were there for a long time, and I got bailed out. Well, I was scout master, and then I became cub master, which is... Oh, you were the cub master? Yeah, I was the cub master when the, when the uh, scout program was officially abandoned by the church. And I think someone said, well, are you going to continue to run the troop? I'm like, no, <laughs> nope, <laughs> absolutely not. I know a guy that still participates in a, in a scout group, but it's, a, like a, run by, it's sponsored by like a Presbyterian mm-hmm. uh, well, I think the Boy Scouts wrongly assumed that we would just keep carrying on as, you know, Mormons. I think there keep... was some, some uh, false hope there, but not, I don't know that anybody that was really serious about it, it thought may, that it would Maybe continue. in the 80s that would have happened, but by the time the church said we're done with the, the Boy Scouts of America, the membership had been done for a decade. You know what was good about scouts is it would. I think it's good to get the boys out in the outdoors. Yeah, and I don't and think we do that anymore. We don't get out and do the the, local, the outdoor stuff. Local leaders do. Uh, I think it's a leader roulette type thing. But I know that my boys have been have done some cool outdoorsy stuff. That, well, I know there's some cool like I know I know our our guys have been involved in some rappelling, some canyoneering, some stuff right. like that. There's there's. There's some good high, what the scouts would call high adventure, some mm-hmm. some more fun stuff like that. But it was, I think it was good for me as a kid to be out every month, you know, like mm-hmm. they, we, we're going to go camping every month for the for the next two years. Well, that's because you needed to go on 39 campouts. To get the merit badge, right? And those, you know what, what drove me nuts about that merit badge? The campouts had to be scout sanctioned campouts meaning like if the kid went on a four-day backpacking trip with his dad that didn't count i see that changed that when i was a kid you could i don't think that right. you had to have scout sanctioned camp you didn't it changed somewhere along the line and i remember just thinking a kid going backpacking with his dad in for four days is going to learn more than he'll learn in 30 overnighters so it's like you you, you could go out into the uinta mountains with your dad and that didn't count. But if we set up tents in the in the backyard the or at the stake center, yeah, that counted. That counted. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Or at I the was... or at the cabin or at the park. Yeah, the oh, silly regulations. Um, no, I thought that as a kid, that getting out and and having to be, you know, out on your own mm-hmm. as a twelve, fourteen year old, whatever. That was really good for boys. Like our boys today need that. Oh, yeah. And it's gone. In the Mormon culture, it is gone, gone. Right. You know, you, you got to... 
I don't know what you do now. Because it's great that some other person could take them out there in the snow or the rain or whatever and have them suffer, <laughs> have us suffer for for uh, an evening and, and figure out how to how to do it in such a way that was uh, palatable, was manageable. Right. Well, now it falls on on parents, dads. Take your boys camping. I mean, winter camping. There's just no substitute. You get if you can get out and, and sleep over in the mountains in the snow. That's a pretty serious skill. That's a good skill. If you can keep yourself dry, warm, that's a really important skill to know. And and will become necessary when we live in the post-apocalyptic <laughs> world of the road. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah. Well, maybe this is a good time to, lo- to, to wrap it up for today. But uh, some heavy stuff and some light stuff. I mean, just do what you got to do to keep your head above water and to not go insane out there. <laughs> yeah, mix in a few uh, Mike and Ikes with your black pills. <laughs> I like the Mike and Ikes. They're, those are a good candy. Yeah, they are. And you can still find them pretty cheap. They last a long time. You can suck on them, chew on them. But they're noisy because they're in that box. Dentists like them. <laughs> There's always somebody at the movie theater. <laughs> hey, <laughs> you quiet? The Mike's and Ikes. Put those in a Ziploc. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and there's a lot of variety you have the originals you can get the blue ones you can get like uh, well then hot tamales those are just spicy mike i don't ones. like hot I, I like one no. or two of those no but uh give me a box of mike and eggs any last words uh we should probably review a movie yeah yeah oh, no um, we should review the year 2023 next we week. have that coming we gotta up. do the year in review maybe we should review given the th- things we've been talking about recently maybe we should watch and review uh spotlight or is that too heavy the catholic priest scandal one that's a great movie i've not seen it huh. i'd also like to watch and we could talk about um the blind i think we should watch that that is the phil robertson story and uh, I don't know if it's still in theaters or how it's available. There was but. another one, a documentary that was out that you mentioned about uh, near-death experiences. What's that called? Afterlife? Uh, yeah, I haven't seen that one either. But uh, that could be interesting. That'd be interesting. We got, well, anyway, well, let's resolve to, to resolve to do something okay. after. I've now resolved okay. to resolve. Well, no, next week we'll do a year in review. If you guys have any comments on any of this stuff or what you want to talk about next week, please comment in the, on the website at mindvirus.show. And any of you statistical nerds, if you want to break down Steve Kirsch's data, well, it's not his data, but if you want to do that and talk about it, uh, we would love to uh, go there. I think that's the biggest news this week. Well, it's huge news because... It's more proof that we've been lied to about this for several well, years. And it's also proof that our gut was right early on. Um, didn't Tucker Carlson make some comments recently about how you're going to have to trust your gut? Yeah, he did. It's like, we, I think a lot of us out there know that, that we're not getting... Well, the Holy Ghost speaks to you in different ways. It's more than a feeling, right? right? It is more than a feeling, and we're not getting 
uh, any anything close to reliable out of the out of the corporate press. I mean, they've. That's the thing. We're, we're we're playing the battered spouse here. How long are we going to let these people lie to us? And we're going to keep going back and say, well, you know, at least they have the weather, or, or <laughs> right, or oh, they have my local sports, or right, whatever. No, we're letting we're letting people run our lives that uh, they hate run, us. They're, they're run our minds. They're they're running our minds into the ground. And you they know? they hate us. They want to abuse us. They want us to to live in squalor and misery. Yeah, there there was a a zero hedge article this week about how it's time to boycott the boycotters, and I, I think they make a good point. Like Disney, yeah, you should stop your Disney Plus thing, and you probably should stop watching their stuff. But it's so hard; it's it's ingrained in our society. I'm not saying I'm perfect on this issue, right? Like mm-hmm. the Bruno kids are watching stuff they shouldn't watch. Jordan Bruno's up late at night watching whatever he shouldn't be watching. Right, the the latest. Uh, it's actually Poldark right now because have you ever seen the the Amazon series or is BBC series Poldark? Mm-mm. It's uh, uh, late eighteenth, early nineteenth century Britain, Cornwall, about a guy that comes back from the Revolutionary War uh, to try to you know to deals with all of his family issues in uh, Cornwall in. England mm-hmm. and uh, beautiful, uh, beautifully shot, very much a soap opera. Anyway, Mrs. Bruno wants to watch that, but um, what <laughs> I've been sucked into uh, World of Warcraft classic season of discovery. So, what that means is it's the original iteration of World of Warcraft, a 2003 version of yeah. the game, but with a twist called Season of Discovery, so there, there's new things that they've dropped into that version of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, new abilities that your character can learn, new dungeons, things like that. And so I've gotten mm. wrapped up in it. Because I, I love that old wor- World of Warcraft. The, the current version is okay, but the old one is that. And yes, there's some nostalgia. Yeah. Uh, it's amazing, actually, how thick the nostalgia can be. But... <laughs> Anyway, that's what I've been well, roped into. Cool. Sounds fun. Uh, makes me want to go play StarCraft, the original. Yeah. Brood, Brood War, of course. <clears throat> Unfortunately, they've Blizzard has sort of abandoned the StarCraft universe. <clears throat> you, you can uh, still play StarCraft, though, for free. Oh, you can still play on, it. On uh, Blizzard. And, and StarCraft Two is one of the best ever. Yeah. They, they I really, never played that. They were really, Blizzard nailed the RTS with Warcraft and StarCraft. Yeah. Those were awesome games. Yeah. I was never good at them, but I enjoyed playing them. Yeah. Well, anyway, we got to find a way to cut out the crap, the uh, the people that want to control our minds and our, uh, you know, via these narratives, via all this subliminal garbage. And yeah, it's in our literature. It's in our movies. There's a there's the good and the bad. You 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 got to identify it and uh, and get rid of it. But as they say in G.I. Joe, knowing is half the battle. Yeah. The other half is blowing your enemies up with bombs. They never, uh, they never really addressed <laughs> never pointed that, that out. <laughs> I love G.I. Joe. When I've seen some recently, um, and I realized that no one ever dies. Have you noticed that? Like a, oh, a, yeah, nobody. Uh, not in the cartoons. They'll shoot like a plane, and the plane will blow up, but the bad guy they driving parachute. the plane will parachute to yeah. safety. They made a point to show that. Yeah. G.I. Joe was pre-messaging all this. Remember the Cobra mind control? Yeah. Yeah. And the weather, weather modification stuff? Yeah. Yeah. 
it was a big recruitment tool for the military, I'm sure. Yeah. And then now you've got, uh, they rebranded it for the global um, woke crowd recently with the Channing Tatum stuff, right? They, they decided the GI was global initiative rather than government issue. Because it used to be I an American it was general infantry. It used to be an, a real American hero. GI yeah. Joe. GI Joe came out of World War II. Government mm-hmm. issue is what the GI stands for. Because there's like the GI Bill, things like that. Oh, maybe maybe it is general infantry. But I thought it was general infantry, but I don't know. It was like you're. It was kind of funny. It's called GI Joe, which is pretty generic. <laughs> Here's another one. Top result on Google. GI Joe originally stood for GI originally stood for galvanized iron. <laughs> then it took on multiple meanings: government issue, general issue, and even ground infantry. Oh, ground infantry! It's kind of funny. It's a pretty generic term, right? GI Joe, and yet the story is about all these guys that are in this elite, secret, right? But it's a real force. American hero, right? Dun 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 dun. GI Joe is there. GI Joe, yeah, yeah. Yeah, awesome series. Awesome as a kid, you grew up with GI Joe, He Man, He Man. Now go watch He Man. Now it is goofy, <laughs> it is weird, and then the animation is so bad. But man, I liked He Man, and it's also uh, He Man. If you watch it now with an adult brain, <laughs> you realize it's kind of uh, that might have been the it's, first it's, it's the kinda, first attempt at grooming. Yeah, it's kind of homo erotic. Yeah. Like, yeah, I hate to use those words, but. It kind of is. But you had <laughs> She-Ra, right? Didn't Yeah, uh, there Prince, was scant- Prince Prince Adam had a, a, had Tila. a Tila. Yeah, he had, had a, these scantily a woman clad in his, women. Yeah. But also lots of innuendo, really. The, 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 <laughs> of course, well, I didn't know. I just thought it was cool. Look at it, look at it. So would if if our parents had had, had uh any moral uh fortitude and cut G.I. Joe out of, or not G.I. Joe, uh, He-Man out of our lives. Would the world be different? No. The foot, the groomers would not have had a foothold. I don't know. I probably not. Do you yeah. do you feel like uh, because you watched that as a kid that you your life took a turn for the worse? N- no. Do you have any? I and tendons, I had I had unexpl- unexplained tendencies. I had He Man toys. My I never sister, had He Man toys. My sister had Barbie, and so He Man dated Barbie a lot. Okay. Well, if. Yeah, if he it never, were in today's world, He-Man would not be allowed in the Barbie world. Yeah, He-Man didn't ever date Man-at-Arms in my, in my <laughs> world. I love that that was his name, Man-at-Arms. <laughs> well, okay, uh, that's his position, but what was his name? And he, I think his daughter, wasn't his daughter Tila? Maybe. I don't remember. He also he had a cool muscle. But in our, at our house, it was the GI <laughs> Joes and the Barbies, and that was yeah. awkward because the Barbies were so much taller. Right. Yeah, GI Joe, Barbie. I don't. I, I'm convinced more and more that human humans peaked in the 80s and 90s. Humanity peaked. In the 80s. Like that was the that was the apex of human civilization was the 80s. You look at the music and the movies that were being made. Well, the freedom to travel the world. Uh, it was 9/11 that changed everything, yeah, right? We you changed could, timelines. You, you had you had a budget surplus in the government during the Clinton years. Oh, gas. Yeah, yeah, I mean, for for as crappy as Clinton could be and as scandalous as his presidency was, the government was sort of held in check. We didn't have any crazy wars. There were small wars, right? Remember, like. Eastern Europe and uh, Granada. They made that movie. Iran Contra. They made that movie with uh, Owen Wilson. 
about that war in uh, the Balkans, yeah. The Balkans, yeah, and he gets shot down. Bosnia Herzegovina. Right. Now, the world wasn't perfect. I'm not I'm not saying that at all. But the I name think of that was, movie is Behind Enemy Lines. I, I think Gene it, Hackman, Owen Wilson. I think it was a peak. I think it was the peak of human civilization. And people can argue about that, but I was just we were listening to some eighties music recently, me and some of my kids, and I just thought Maybe I'm just getting old, but this is some quality stuff. I, I introduced my, I was driving a long way with my daughter. She had a athletic practice a while, you know, a ways up the freeway. Oh, my kids love the, the 80s music, and 80s and 90s, yeah. She's obsessed with Taylor Swift right now. And I said, let, 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 me, let me play for you a, a female artist that, uh, that really paved the way for people like Taylor Swift and... And of course, there's people before and after, whatever. But I, I, I fired up some Janis Joplin, and I said, "Look, this, this, uh, this, this lady could sing. There's no auto tune here." Mm-hmm. And I know some people don't like her voice. I think it's an awesome voice, that kind of scratchy, screaming. <clears throat> but she's singing. She's not just screaming. Anyway, other great female vocals: uh, Fleetwood Mac, yeah, Stevie, Heart, Mac, Heart, yeah. You have, uh, of course, and then you have like uh, uh, people even before that, like um, Karen Carpenter. Well, of course, Karen Carpenter, and then you had like dun, dun, Tina Turner. You had Gladys Knight in the Pips. Gladys Knight, of course, is an LDS favorite. So Aretha Franklin, can't forget her. But yeah, I introduced my daughter to Janis Joplin. I said, "Do you like it?" Oh, yeah. Even though Karen Carpenter was a little older, there were tons of guys in my high school that were like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Oh. Yeah, the Carpenters, uh, they, uh, they were pretty influential. Well, okay. We've been wrapping it up for 10 minutes now. That's okay. Uh, knowing is half the battle. <laughs> it is, I guess. And humanity peaked That's in the 80s. That's what they told us on Saturday mornings. 80s early, and 90s. Early 90s. Er, 80s and 90s. See, I think we were just, we were, think, too, we were too oblivious to know how, what the cracks were in the foundation at that point. Was the first, and well, it couldn't be the first, but was the first major psyop of our lifetimes, was that, uh, was that uh, 2K, what did they call it, Y2K? Was that the first big time psyop that got us all worried? Maybe. I mean, I remember as a kid hearing about like killer bees and stuff like that. And obviously there was always the threat of Russia nuking us. Yeah. We're, we, we've been through the history of this, uh, episode eight, right? History of the secret combinations. We've been through the history. We know that uh, there's, there's been a lot of uh, shifting of power and change in society that, you know, the, the 20th century in America was... Uh, the basically the oligarchy consolidating its power after the Federal Reserve Act and the mm-hmm. and the income tax and all that stuff. The Progressive Era, we know that we've been through that. We had hints of what was going on with the JFK assassination and the RFK assassination. These things took time. I think war after war, war after, after war. war. You know, World War II. Yeah, but people were not apprised to it, and the people's minds hadn't been as corrupted as they are today. And uh, I think. Maybe the big thing that we should have all woken up to was the George Bush senior New World Order speech. Was that is either 91 or 92? I can't remember. Thousand points of light. September 11th. 
but uh or maybe it's 1990 11 years before 9-11 to the day i can't remember but the point is I remember there were people crying foul. You have the John John Birch Society doing mm-hmm. doing the major heavy lifting in the in the decades of the seventies, eighties, nineties, and they were widely dismissed, at least in circles my parents circled in. You know, oh, they've been crying foul for a long time. I remember my uh, an acquaintance, I won't say which family member, saying, "My parents, when I was a kid, you know." Ezra Taft Benson was, uh, he was saying the same stuff and, and, and he was uh, moderated by all the other leaders of the church. You know, everything these he people- He was sent to Europe. <laughs> yeah, all of these, everything that <laughs> these guys, exiled. everything that these guys were warning about has come to pass. A lot of the, it has. The none dare call it conspiracy crowd- the the guys that uh, realized there was a, a secret combination going on that the that the United Nations was corrupt, a satanic organization even you know all of these people have been vindicated in spades, and um, but you can give money to them using those vending machines. <laughs> the problem is that the victors write the history books, so the people that are in control now are are going to say no everybody's always thought the united nations was good and you know right everybody wanted to drop the bomb on japan there was nobody opposing that do you know the church opposed that openly church our church leaders opposed world war 2 uh, i can believe you know, that and they and they opposed the dropping of the david bomb david O'McKay was a liberty minded guy yeah and that was a bit, would have been kind of his era, not his presidency, but hit when he was influential. Uh, yeah, what's his name? Heber uh, J. Grant was the president until '44, and then did J. Reuben Clark. He was pretty liberty minded. Yeah, he's one of those big guns. Ezra Tap Benson, of course. Yeah, but but the church definitely changed a lot under David O. McKay. It became a lot more uh, mainstream ish, more of a cult of personality. Maybe that's probably that's when existed. that's when we started calling the the president of the church the prophet right. rather than referring to whenever you'd refer to the prophet before David O. McKay it was always Joseph. Joseph, but Brigham brought in the prophets here in Revelator yeah. language. Yeah. All right, we could go on and on. We have and we do, and that's why you love us. You do, don't you? Leave a comment at <laughs> mindvirus.show. Give us something to talk about. All right, everybody. Thank you.